All right, so First Timothy 4 um, was your homework or the study that you either studied this past week or maybe you did it a week ago or two weeks ago <laughs> or a couple weeks ago, um, or maybe you did it yesterday, like me, <laughs> um, which you don't have to feel bad about. <laughs> um, but this section was uh, titled False Teachers, right? Um, but as I was reading and I was going through, not that that was a bad title for it, it was great. <laughs> um, I kind of sectioned out this First Timothy 4 into three different sections. Preach the truth, practice the truth, and progress or further the truth. Um, I'm going to go through and read the whole chapter, and then we'll kind of piece it out in those, those three sections. So uh, starting with verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and com commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer." If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and of which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise you, your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. As we begin our study in chapter 4, we see Paul giving further instruction and direction to Timothy as his heart is to well-equip him not only for the ministry, but also in living a faithful life for the Lord. Verses 1 through 3 again says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from, from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God had created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know truth. First, he shares that the Holy Spirit is speaking. He says, better listen up. The Spirit urgently wants to remind Timothy of the evil that will be present. He gives specific examples of what that would look like. People will depart from the faith by way of deceiving spirits and doctrines of demon. Nothing new since the very beginning of time, as we see the first deception taking place in the Garden of Eden with, or in the Garden of Eden, with Eve. What were the, what will their lives look like? They'll be speaking lies of hypocrisy. Ones who are willingly embracing falsehood to justify their sin or pride. But it also refers to those who claim to teach the Bible while just using it to support their own ideas or agendas. They'll have their own conscience seared, as if the nerve endings of their conscience have been burnt over and are dead to the feeling. 
They have no obedience to, to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Forbidding to marry and abstaining from what is good. Having a very legalistic mindset, their own rules to follow. Does this not remind you of some people who have walked away today from the faith or even some modern Christianity that we're constantly living in? David Guzik shares this about this selection of verses. He says, In the early centuries of the church, there were monks who, who went out to desolate deserts to show how spiritual they were by torturing themselves. One never ate cooked food. Another stood all night leaning against a sharp rock so it was impossible for him to sleep. Another neglected his own body and allowed it to become so dirty that bugs dropped dead from his body. <laughs> they did this because they thought it would win favor from God and show everyone how spiritual they were. We often think that if we sacrifice something for God, such the right to marry or to eat certain foods, that he then owes us something. This is legalism at its finest, trying to manipulate God into giving us something. The idea that we can make God indebted to us, make him our servant, and us his master. In this, we fulfill the original doctrine of demons, that we should be gods. Countless millions through the centuries have sought to sacrifice something, make God owe them a blessing or forgiveness or mercy or whatever it might be. This is religion of self this is a religion of self-beating. It's not the relationship that Christ wants us to have like we see in the New Testament, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 3.24. This leads me to two questions. Again, does this remind you of the world that we live in today, people being self-righteous, trying to be their own gods? And my second question, are you watchful that you're not falling into the same deception that is talked about in these verses? You might be thinking, oh, well, I, I could never have that kind of mindset. <laughs> Remember, Jesus shared with his own followers, the people that were, were following him every day, the disciples, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, Matthew 26, 41. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful lest you fall. As believers, we are to be diligent that we don't fall into these traps, but we're also, also supposed to be diligent in prayer and encouraging those around us in their walks with the Lord so that the same does not happen to them. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we continue, Paul goes on to remind Timothy that these lies and things that people will be involving themselves are contrary to what scripture teaches. Verses 4 and 5 say, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be re refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Nothing makes a sinner more or less righteous before God besides the blood of Jesus. Let us remember that we are only able to be sanctified through Christ, not by our works or anything that we do. Paul now goes on to further instruct and encourage Timothy in the verses that follow. Verse 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Timothy was to be sharing with believers the same message, truth, to be warning them to be careful not to follow the world and let it sweep them away. 
What a reminder to us as well. Paul says if Timothy is faithful in sharing these truths, may it even be hard for them to say or harsh to hear, that he would be counted faithful in regards to the calling that God had placed upon his life if he was obedient to this calling. With that, are you being faithful to share what God has shown you to the people that you directly influence? Are you a walking testimony of God's truth, or do you silently choose to walk through life knowing what Jesus says but sharing it with nobody? Get ready for more. Now Paul, now that Paul has encouraged Timothy and us to share or preach the truth with others, he now goes on to motiv- motivate him to continue to practice the truth. Verses 7 through 9 say, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now and of which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. What a reminder Paul gives Timothy here, a reminder to keep his priorities straight and to encourage others to do the same. Do you need that reminder? I know I do. It's a personal application. Do you see what it says there? It says yourself. Paul says, reject, stay clear of, profane and old wise fables, the words of man. How quickly can we as women turn to others for empty chatter, justification, validation, gossip, you name it. <laughs> Proverbs 10:19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Instead of the exercise of running our mouths, we should be getting spiritually fit by running the race up for the Lord well, reading his word, spending time in prayer, having godly fellowship with others, and serving him, doing the godly things that our flesh may not want to do. Just like when you have to work out and exercise, your body doesn't normally want to do that, (laughs) but it's the good thing for your body. Paul highlights that instead of focusing on meaningless conversations, which really profit nothing, we should be kingdom-minded and focus ourselves on the Lord. Remember that godliness is profitable for all things, both now and all eternity. Do you need, a, do you need wisdom concerning a matter, encouragement, direction in your life? Seek the Lord who gives us all things as it pertains to life and godliness, just as it says in 2 Peter. Charles Spurgeon says this, I assure you, that there are thousands of my brethren who can affirm the same, that having tried the ways of sin, we infinitely prefer the ways of righteousness. Although we are told that godliness profits the life now and to come, we we cannot be naive to remember that we still will suffer in this broken world. Verses 10 and 11 say, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Paul wraps up the middle of the section of verses with both a hard truth and a life-giving one as well. Because Christ calls us to walk differently, it means that we will suffer persecution for our faith. Our walk with the Lord does not make us absent from laboring and suffering for Christ's sake. 1 Peter 3.14 says, But if you should labor for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. We do not have to fear or be discouraged because we trust in the living God, the Savior of all. It is all worth it for knowing Jesus. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time to not be worthy to compare 
to the glory that is to be revealed for us. And this next verse, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, has um, been like my verse of the year that, that I have had on my fridge. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle for in its stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God my in, in God my Savior. The so, the Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on its heights. Even though we may suffer or face reproach as believers, let us rest in the fact that we serve a living God, as it says in this verse, the Savior of all men. And in the final section of this verse, Paul gets personal with Timothy. He may have recognized or realized certain fears, discouragement, or maybe even trouble that he was facing and was desiring to encourage him and exhort him. Progress or further the truth, he wants to tell him. Let it continue. Let it be multiplied by way of your example and the obedience to your calling. Verse 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith and in purity. Another version says, let no one look down on you because you're young. This is actually a song that I used to sing at my Christian school over and over again, and um, now I understand why my music teacher sang it to us all the time, because <laughs> I sing it all the time to Lincoln. And, it, and it's a very encouraging verse, um, be it whatever your age is. Um, as someone who is young, like I said, this verse has been a huge encourage, encouragement to me. Um, it's been a verse that I've not only um, spoken over my life multiple times, but one that I have shared with the basic girls, I feel like, every single week. <laughs> um, and uh, one that I also shared multiple times with my students when I taught them because I didn't want them to think that they had any excuse for acting the way that they did because God called, calls us to live differently as believers. Um, when the word, word youth is actually used here, I thought this was interesting, it's considered to be a man or a woman up to their 30s and 40s. Um, so we're not just talking about little kids and teenagers or maybe even people in their mid to late 20s like me. <laughs> Paul knew that because of Timothy's age, he might have had sp speculation or felt even some discouragement from those who were older than him simply for his age and what mistakes people his age were very capable of. Laziness, lack of attentiveness, um, being late to things, I don't know, the list could go on for my generation and the generations that follow. <laughs> Therefore, Paul says, don't give them a reason to look down on you. Live out your faith well. Don't be lazy. You can be used powerfully. No matter your age, whether it be young, middle-aged, or older, if you think you're old, <laughs> um, realize that your influence on those around you is huge, um, whether it's people older in the faith or younger. In what way can you or can we be a godly influence? Well, Paul gives us a pretty good list to start with. He first says that we can be influential in our speech, the way that we talk to others. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word come from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it would give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 31.26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Proverbs 13.3 says, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life, 
and the one who opens wide his lips comes ruin. I just want to encourage you ladies that um, speech is, is, a, is a mind feel of minefield of traps <laughs> and um and it's really hard it's been something over the past year that I have had to learn um the the hard way and um I'll never actually forget somebody in college one of my close friends said to me um do you ever just be quiet <laughs> do you ever just want to be quiet <laughs> she was basically saying that I wasn't a good listener <laughs> And um, I, it challenged me then. It offended me, of course, right as soon as she said it. But then I knew she loved me enough to at least tell me the truth. Um, but from then on, I have really tried to the best of my ability to, to become a better listener because I, I do see how the more I open my mouth, usually the, the not so good it is. <laughs> um, and if we're really patient upon what the Lord wants to speak through us, um, we can really do wonders. I'm seeing that now with my one-year-old who likes to say everything that I say, um, even at one years old. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible yet, but it is. He, he wants to say everything. Right now his favorite word is poopy, so <laughs> we, we need to change that word. <laughs> uh, the next uh, thing that he tells us we can be an influence in is our conduct, the ways that we act. My grandma, if you were on the retreat, she has this favorite saying, and you probably heard her say it there, more is caught than taught. Ephesians 5.15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but wise. 1 Peter 1.14-16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which you yourselves in were ignorant. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves as in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And Proverbs 20.11 says, Even a child makes himself known by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and upright. The next um, example he gives as we can give our influence in is our love, our expression of care. Mark 12.30-31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God and everyone who has born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love love does not know God because God is love. Our love for others is a direct direct reflection of, um, of how the Lord loves us. So if you are feeling like in this area, man, I just, I'm, I really am struggling to show love to other people. Maybe it's because you're struggling to, to really receive the Lord's love, um, and you don't, you don't know what that looks like in your own life. Uh, the, next, the next thing he, in the list he says is our faith, our trust in the Lord. Uh, Romans 1.17 says, For it is righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Luke 1.45 says, Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Um, my good friend, Amy, um, I used to teach with her at ACS, uh, after my first year of teaching, I don't know why, I didn't think I was going to get in my show, she gave me this book, and it, um, she said, you know, when I first started teaching, the person who taught me how to teach gave me a book, and, um, through the whole journal, it's listed, one, two, three, four, five, all the way to a thousand, which in my mind, I'm thinking, you teach, how do you have time to write to a thousand that's not for something for school 
Um, but she said, I wanted to give this to you because every time the Lord does something really incredible in your life or he walks you through something or does something as small as uh, your mom gives you socks and she didn't know all your socks had holes in them. <laughs> um, I, I want you to write it down in the book. So I, at first I was like, oh, this is really sweet. Like, I didn't really think much of it. But that book has been something that I have um, been able to recall of, of just faith, the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. So I encourage you, if you don't have a friend that would do that for you, do it for yourself because you will be able to see how faithful the Lord is. And even if it's in the, the smallest of things, like your best friend getting you pajamas and none of your pajamas are fitting you right now because you have a belly that's growing. Um, even if it's small things like that, or it's ginormous things, um, like God being so faithful to answer prayers after months of praying for something, um, I encourage you, it will, it will grow your faith exponentially. And I didn't think it would in that moment when she gave it to me, I don't think she realized what she was giving to me would, would hugely impact my, my faith and my walk with the Lord. Um, next he says our spirit, our disposition, our temperament. First Peter 3, 4 says, rather let it be the hidden person of your heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. Um, next, he gives an example of our purity. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of such, and as we forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Do you think that maybe you could grow in one of these areas? I know that there is room for growth in all of these areas for myself, but I want to challenge you. Maybe pick one or two of those areas to, to challenge yourself in your walk with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'd really love to grow in these areas and ask him for his help because he'll be faithful to either lead uh, things or people into your life that help you, <laughs> shape you into that person, or um, really just give you the encouragement and um, the direction that you need in those to finish out, verses 13 through 16 say, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy of laying of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that you, your progress be, be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Paul lastly encourages Timothy to do well in the area of his specific calling, to be a teacher of the word. In the same way, we must devote ourselves to God's word and not neglect the calling that God has placed on our lives. God has given each of us specific callings. Those callings may change in different seasons, but likewise, we should not be ignorant to the things that the Lord has called us to. Um, maybe it's being a witness at your job, uh, being a mom, and not really being able to do other things besides be a mom. <laughs> um, maybe it's to serve at, uh, the homeless, um, to serve at youth group, um, to 
serve with the young adults or with those that are single or maybe you're in a season of singleness or you are single or you're married or um, widowed, um, whatever the Lord has called you in and whoever he's called you in, do it well. Um, living out our God-given callings as women in a God-honoring way is a direct, re- direct reflection of who the Lord is in our own personal lives and how we value what he has given us. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It is also a beautiful example to those around us that your progress be made evident to all, like it says in these verses. Is your growth in your walk or calling something that motivates and challenges others to have a stronger walk as well? Let me repeat that. Is your growth in your walk, your own personal walk, or your calling, something that motivates and challenges others to have a stronger walk as well? Warren Wearsby says this, one of my favorite commentators, I have a commentary on the whole entire Bible from him, and he just is really easy to understand. So if you ever need a little bit more help understanding God's word, obviously first go to the Lord about it, but he is, he's definitely a very applicable um, commentator to a potty room in life. But God must work in us before he can effectively work through us. God must work in us before he can effectively work through us. We must be intentional in our walk with the Lord, exercising our walk and our gifts and our faith, faithful to to keep our priorities straight so that we can impact those around us for Christ and be mindful of the temptation that may be present for us to turn away from Christ.